something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Pitbull. I think that education is the real revolution because as much as we speak about all the problems that there is in society and the world today, my mother's always told me, son, don't worry. The world's always been coming to an end. Don't let it scare you out of living. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Witches Anonymous with Ilaria Baldwin and Michelle Campbell-Mason, an iHeartRadio podcast. Hey, witches. Welcome back. I'm Ilaria. And I'm Michelle. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Rome. I am an actress and director and author, and I'm so happy to be here to talk about the launch of Emule with Hilaria and Michelle. We're so happy to have you. Now, I am always wanting to get right into the whole mom conversation because I heard that you're you were like an original mom blogger. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tell me everything. I'm, I'm so much older than you guys. And yes, I was. And it was really cool because, um, you know, I had a new child and babies, mom and mom and babies, you know, with people was sort of becoming. And they reached out and asked me if I would write a couple of blogs and the blogs took off. And I basically did it for three years. In fact, it was such a joy. They're also mean, these women, and also so judgmental and and yet so wonderful. And and you kind of just fall, you sort of tumble headfirst into this dialogue with them. And I, and I realized they were mostly critical of me when I wouldn't like really be vulnerable. And so as I, the more truth I began to tell of my own personal experience, my own self-doubts or this, then it really took off the blog. And actually, it led to me writing my book about um, my journey with infertility and having my child. So the whole blogging experience with people was really, it actually was a great joy for several years, many years, actually. I love, I love the, the, the parenting section at, on people. So you, you started a good thing. I mean, so you say they were so, they were so mean. Those are sort of people who like critics and trolls, they would kind of like come after you. Yeah. You know, it's really funny. I think when it comes to parenting, it's, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel, I feel it for sure around the topic of fertility. People are so judgmental mm -hmm. and that's why understandably, you know, you, you see not that many people coming out of the closet about their fertility journey because, you know, who wants to be vulnerable uh, about this topic when you yourself feel like, you know, you're sort of failing at like, you know, right 
what you should be doing inherently. It should be like your natural born gift to be able to bring a child into the world. And when it's not, it feels devastating and so personal, maybe even humiliating because you're like, why is my body not cooperating this? And it feels, you feel entirely powerless, right? Because bringing a child into the world is the greatest thing of all, right? That's the ultimate power. So um, I think that parents in general, mothers in, de- in general, have I've found, you know, tend to be very judgmental of one another as opposed to supportive. Um, and that was unfortunate. I, I guess ultimately we're all just sort of running scared in life and we all um, come, can come from a fear-based place. And the more truth I began to tell with the blogs, I think I ingratiated myself with them and they felt I was more of a trusted voice as opposed to just somebody to be criticized for my right. judgment. Well, I think the more that we have these conversations and, and, you know, I mean, we all stand on each other's shoulders. Like, you know, I'm, I feel that my workings, my workings, whether my contributions or just my presence in the mom community has a lot of been, been standing on your shoulders. And even if I didn't know I was standing on your shoulders, your actions and your openness made a step that therefore I could make the next step forward. And we always have to be you know, I mean, here on which is anonymous, we're very focused on history and how we're interconnected through so many different generations. So, you know, I want to say thank you. I think something that you're saying right now also really, really touches me right now, which is that people thought that, and, may, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the people were writing and saying you're not being open. And I'm wondering if open equals just sharing the bad parts. Well, that's really interesting that you hone in on that because misery loves company. And I think that is a terrible trait. Um, and, and I think there is some truth to that. When I first was writing the blogs and I was coming from this place of, I've figured it all out and, you know, look at me in my perfect life. You know, I, every, I was booed off the stage, but when I came with my questions and I came with my, I don't know, and I came with my self doubt or my worry or things we might perceive as the negative things or whatever, I would say they're the human things, but you're right. That is when the audience started to get built because I became a voice that was to be trusted as opposed to, I don't relate to her and her perfect life or whatever. And anyway, and all those questions were true and they were part of my journey and I didn't know uh, how to do some parenting stuff. I mean, it was really a hard time for me because my mom died when my child was almost two and I was in my thirties and, and it was just a really scary time because I didn't have this matriarch that, and then my mom's sister died two years later. So I lost two matriarchs sort of in one fell swoop. And as I was blogging as a, you know, mom blogger, I was also sort of lacking and having, you know, the women, the matriarchs in my life had all passed away very suddenly. So it was a crazy time. And I, I'm glad that I started to blog from the perspective of what's my question, what's my insecurity, what don't I know versus what I did think I knew, you know, what I felt I knew because that didn't reach anybody. (laughs) We pulled up a quote from, from your book, baby steps. Um, when women stop talking, women stop being heard. And I think that connects to everything we're trying to talk about here so much so with motherhood and infertility, but in every aspect of your life, because I see, you know, the, the negative side of trolling in which it's almost, it's easy to just 
you don't want to say anything. You don't want to engage because it's it's a, sometimes a very fruitless conversation. But at the same time, as to your quote, when you stop talking, your voice goes away. So it's an interesting juxtaposition of the two things. Did you engage with it or did you just keep telling your story? No, I never, I never did. I never did. I just have like really always taken the high road. I'm not interested in having commenting you know, back. I just want to, you know, make sure I always, this is a prayer I always say to myself before I do anything. Is it good? Is it true? Is it necessary? And if I feel like those boxes are checked, like I'm like full on full steam ahead, but I don't need to comment on it. And it like, you know, with the respect project, for instance, I have this talk series. Um, and I ask myself that when I'm doing them, you know, is this good? Is this true? Is it necessary? Does it put something into the world that, you know, can make an impact and you, you know, can say, oh, that sounds really frou-frou and whatever, like, who are you to decide if it makes an impact? I just mean, from my perspective, do I feel like I'm putting something authentic in the world that can help other people? Or is it about my ego? You know, and if it feels clear, then I think it's worth it like you said, Michelle, because people need to keep talking and we have to tell the truth on behalf of each other, not just ourselves. If I say I had fertility issues and here's what I learned, I'm helping out future mothers and future families. If I keep my secrets locked up, how am I helping, you know, the reproductive generation sort it out, you know? Yeah. We talk about that here because we're always talking about kind of a grounding spiritual practice to help sometimes just cope with all of these things. Um, and that takes me to one I always do, which is kind of a Buddhist philosophy of right thought, right action, right mind. And just that all wrapped up with intention and intention to serve others through your actions. And I think being that you serve on so many levels, could you kind of give us your background? Because obviously so many people know you from Law & Order and you have this amazing career with so many different facets. So I think it would be best coming from you. Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm I'm was born in Europe. I'm still a, a German citizen. I was raised in New York City. Um, I went to Sarah Lawrence College. My mother went to Sarah Lawrence College. I pursued acting right out of school, and did you know I was very lucky to develop a TV career. Then I left Law and Order, and I began to develop more of a movie career. I did movies like American Hustle and Joy, and started you know a collaborative relationship. Um, as an actor with the director, David O. Russell. And now I'm directing. Um, I just came back from New York directing Law and Order, which was a really fun and, you know, such a sweet return. And I've directed several movies uh, for Lifetime. My most recent one was the last um, performance of Anne Hesch. I directed that in May. And I really uh, went through a really intense journey with her. And one thing I will say in regards to telling our stories on behalf of other people, she was very vocal about the abuse she'd experienced in childhood. She was a very brave soul and she was really committed to, you know, being on a platform to use her voice to stop violence against women. And that was why she wanted to do this movie. And so it was sad, very, very sad, you know, that her addiction and her issues, you know, you know, ran the day that fateful day. And, um, but I know for her, her intention was to get out there and tell her story and support this film, but really to support other women and men who are experiencing abuse. So 
So, you know, that that's what's happening with me currently. Um, about three years ago, I started a nonprofit called The Respect Project, where I, mo- I moderate conversations with a diverse panel of people to punt essential topics of the time and try to, with respect, find solutions by listening to each other and respecting that we really are all different and we're all going to come from a different point of view. And recently I became a shareholder in a company that I'm really excited to talk to you guys about uh, called Emule. And it's the first ever baby bottle company to hit the market that truly, truly, completely with scientific data um, and our scientific advisory board confirming that it's the first bottle to emulate, you know, breastfeeding. Interesting. Closes the gap between breast and bottle feeding, which, as you know, Hilaria, is very tricky. Yeah, right now, my first daughter and this my most recent daughter, they don't love bottles. And so that is like, I will be very curious to try. And it's, it's, they will take one if they're starving. But other than that, they're like, nope. And then I'm thinking, I'm storing up all this milk and you're not taking a bottle. So it's like, yeah, yeah. Well, there are a lot of issues around bottle feeding. I mean, also, you know, one is emotional, you know, as a mom, you're like, you don't want to do the bottle because you don't want nipple confusion, right? I mean, you don't want them to prefer the bottle and then not you and you love breastfeeding. And so it becomes really an emotional journey. So what's cool about Emule is that um, it's an app. It takes it, you you line it up to your breast and it takes it, it with data points. It basically identifies the shape of your nipple, the texture and the color and through scientific research. And it doesn't take a photograph. It just creates data points. So your your you know, your privacy is protected and there is no image floating around of your breast. It's just these data points that basically, you know, how a nipple has texture, it has hills and valleys mm-hmm. and so forth, you know. So that, and also, of course, we're not all the same skin, skin tone, you know? And so therefore, you know, having some white bottle, if you're a dark skinned woman, it just doesn't feel, you don't feel represented. And so through this app, it collects these data points and gives you five options of color as, as well as shape and texture. The, the uh, nipple part of the bottle is very um, thin and it's very elastic. So it feels almost like the pull on an actual nipple. And inside the nipple on the bottle, there are... Um, I wish I could show it to you, but there are little strings. So it actually feels like it has the texture of like suckling on the nipple that it has that texture in it. Yeah. So there are many reasons why we say we're closing the gap between breast and bottle feeding and making it a more, hopefully supporting women and their mental health and their journey as new moms within the feeding process, right? Because you need rest. You have lots of babies and like you need to rest and you're pumping like crazy and you don't want the bottle to become a problem for you. Right. Well, it's also, I mean, you're touching on something that we all know very well, which is we've been put into, I feel like we're starting to come together in terms of the women in our group, the breastfeeders and the bottle feeders, right? You either do formula or you're breastfeeding, right? And, and, you know, a breast is best. They have all of that kind of thing. And then the, then people start to say, don't you dare do that because you're making me feel bad about this. 
I'm, I don't necessarily, I don't. As an outsider, is it that divided? Is it's it so, like, it's so divided. It's divided. Okay. I mean, I had a similar experience with you, but for different reasons where, um, my first son, Rafa, who's my second kid, he, I got pregnant with Leo when Rafa was six months old and my milk started to dry up. And at this point, this is one of the reasons that I got so obsessed with pumping is because I didn't have a storage back then, but a little bit, but not a lot. And I was thinking, oh my God, I have to start to feed him formula at 10 months old. I'm a failure because they, because I kept on hearing breast is best. I'm a failure. I was so upset about it. It's my fault. I got pregnant during this. I should have like been more careful. And now it's like my poor son and he was born a month early. So I worried about him anyway. And I mean, he's totally fine. But like, you know, he, I, it was something that I, felt so bad about it. And then I remember giving him, after obsessing about which formula, I gave him the first thing formula and I was sure that something bad was going to happen to him. And I looked and I was like, it's the same thing. And I was like, all that fear, all of that like drama of this camp and this camp of women, and it's the same thing. So that, and that doesn't mean that I didn't breastfeed my other kids. Well, but and also to your point, Hilaria, and I think it's a really important one. It's like, stop all the hating. It's like, who cares? I know women who don't want to breastfeed and you know what? They're phenomenal parents or they did. They just didn't want to. It's also very, the latching on process can sometimes not happen easily. That's intense. The shape of your nipples. It's painful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's another thing about emulate. If let's say you're not a match with your baby and there is some latching on problems, you could actually um, with our app, which launches, um, this next week, I think on the, on the, um, at Apple, um, you can identify another nipple shape that would work with your baby. So we're, we're creating possibilities for women as opposed to judgments. And so you don't want to bottle, you don't want to breastfeed, use a bottle. Great. You could actually have it match your breast and feel like you're having an intimate relationship with your child. Why should I feel bad if I don't want to breastfeed? I can actually create a bottle through Emulate that's going to be as close to my nipple and, you know, the experience of breastfeeding as possible. And then moms like you who are trying to find balance and, you know, also you need to get rest. And, you know, we all know it's important. We have to take care of ourselves. There's that. So we really think that Emulate, our our hashtag is yours comma truly because it's going to be the closest match to you whatever your journey is we are um available for pre-order and you can and then we're launching march 8th so we appreciate Amazing. all the support of getting definitely we'll 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 um that's I'm, i'll definitely be first in line for that If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. 
Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So we were talking before before um, speaking with you about another baby idea, which is multiple projects, and you know something that Michelle has many many babies in 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 this way. No, Michelle. Well, Liz and I touched on this a little bit when we were talking the other day, and really um, how multifaceted everybody is in life, right? And your knowledge in creating this scientifically based alternative for the bottle is phenomenal, but. There's so much more to you than that. And one's ability to reinvent and wear many hats without diluting their skill set, their intention and their purpose in any of their other careers, I think is a very important thing to discuss because you are an actor and a director. And obviously, sometimes as someone who does wear a lot of hats, I find us being judged for being almost, you know, kind of distracted or scattered. And I, I know it doesn't seem fair to call it a, a gendered experience, but I, I know a lot of men with multiple investment companies and I don't hear them getting the same flack. And I wonder if that's something you've experienced as well, coming from being you know, acting and having these different parts of your career. Absolutely. I do think it's, uh, I think, you know, we don't get this, we're not treated the same for sure. And I think we have to be very careful and more, you know, humble, you know, than men, you know, in general. Um, I think that, you know, if you're triple threat, you know, you're going to meet some criticism in a way where a guy wouldn't, right? You know, they're celebrated for it. Oh, he's a great actor. He's a great producer. He's a great director. He's an entrepreneur. He's running a company. He's just raised $500 million. He's going to start, a, you know, 
and all these things are celebrated, but a woman it's like, you know, it's overly ambitious or, you know, Oh, have you retired from acting now that you're directing? And I'm like, no, I haven't, you know? So it's like, why are you being asked these questions? I, I haven't like thought about it beyond just feeling like that, that just does feel distinctly female that you would be criticized for being, um, you know, maybe too much or something in general, maybe you're too much of an opinion or sorry. That takes us back to, right? Like (laughs) that takes us back to like broader witch theory and the word just demonizing people, because in the end it's like, you're threatening because you, or you're annoying because you had too many things to say or too many things that you were doing or whatnot that, you know, was one of the many buckets in which a witch was put. Um, So I also think something that I'd love to explore with you is how procedural dramas like Law and Order and being on a show like that for such a long time, um, how they how they portray women and how how sometimes my perspective, as I don't know yours, they have seemed quite replaceable and just not as developed in, in some some shows. I'm not saying Law and Order in particular, I'm just saying other procedurals. And it's uh you always know who the male star is, but the the women seem to cycle. And I find that to be a bit jarring. Did you have that perception at all? Or Well, I, I will just say, yeah, you can easily become like just a Bond girl kind of a person on, on you know, as, as one of the ADAs on Law and Order. However, um, I sort of broke the mold. I was like wanting to wear red lipstick and cut my bangs and like was totally feminine. And I think like I bumped up uh, against a lot of fan criticism because I was so different from, you know, what, but eventually they embraced me. It was, uh, it, and the world will embrace you, you know, but you, you have to sort of take ownership of that. So I think as an actor, that's your job to build a character. Um, it was really fun to go back to Law and Order with Odelia, who's starring in the role that, you know, was my role back then and really focus on, um, being a, a director, but a female director written, the screenplay was written by two women and it was about the Tinder swindler. So it was about dating mm-hmm. and, you know, to really, and it was really focused on Odelia and Cameron's characters the most. And it was so much fun for me to put, you know, push them into the spotlight and let the guys hang back a little bit because it was the women's show. And that's unique because law and order generally it's, Sam Waterston, who's slaying dragons and so forth. Um, and it was really Odelia and Cameron. They were really an incredible um, asset to the case. And their voice was particularly strong. Their voices were particularly strong in that episode. So I'm all about girl power and um, and wanting to push women forward. Um, and, you know, hoping I, hoping I get it back. Um, you know, I'm not sure... I feel women can be very critical and competitive, unfortunately. And in- why do you think that is? What do you think is is our driving force behind that? I don't really know, um, except for we're much more emotional, and we're you know we're we're much more. I feel like we're we're very sensitive and tuned in, and so I don't know. Maybe it's we just are very um, possessive and protective over what's ours you know, is the mama bear. And so I don't know, maybe it comes from that place. But, you know, I have found for me, Michelle, you know, most of my really good friends are women. 
So I don't suffer from that. You know, that's not like in my world as much, but you know, I mean, we've all seen it, right? Right. So. Yeah, no, I mean, that's why, that's why we started this space is, and you know, we, we, um, and for people who have listened to the podcast a lot, we, we bonded over a book called Women's Inhumanity to Women. And while I have amazing girlfriends, you know, a lot of the, the cruelty that I've received in my life. And I think with most women has been from other women. So of course there's been men along the way. Yes, absolutely. And I think sometimes, you know, you say that about the lipstick and the bangs and stuff like that. And then eventually you are embraced. I think that sometimes we have been given so many rules growing up with, well, that's just what you do. Right. And then we almost start policing each other. And even though we all want out of the cage, we're policing each other and holding each other back. Whereas rather than just being like, hey, let's pick the lock together and all fly away free. Um, so we are kind of like, well, but you're not supposed to do that. Well, that's not what a, that's not what a police officer looks like. They wouldn't be wearing that. And you're just trying to be like, what? I don't even know what they were saying to you, but my, that's my mind goes there, you know? Right. Well, you know, I think, you know, look, I, we're all trying so hard to get through life sometimes that we're unwilling to pull the veil off. It's like, it's not that special and it's not that mysterious. We all actually have so much more in common and, you know, I created the respect project because I, I wanted to take that mask off, you know, and maybe because I had been this mommy blogger and I had really enjoyed, um, actually just telling a narrative that was truthful on behalf of other people, as opposed to portraying the legend, like you go out to lunch and you bring your legend there, right? You put on your Manola Blahniks or whatever, and your lipstick and you're like, here's my legend. My marriage is amazing. I have this, I have that, you know, and you tell all the good stuff, right? You don't want to go there and like dump all your bad stuff on people. So you come with your good stuff, but that's part of your legend. You're like, Hey, nice to meet your legend as opposed to, you know, really telling your true story and being vulnerable. And I think the idea of doing the respect project was let's tell the truth on behalf of each other in an honest, respectful way so that we can all suffer less, you know, right. and you're not alone in this journey in life. Hopefully you build that community within your friends and your, you know, loved ones and so forth. But I think we can build that community also amongst others. So I guess ultimately it's about like trying to make your tone and the way you move out there publicly um, speak to other people and help help them feel more peace about their own, you know, sort of journey. So at least with that, I've tried to, you know, make sure that, you know, we're all sort of bringing our bringing our best uh, self forward, but like the truthful part of ourself, as opposed to the one that knows all the answers, maybe the one that doesn't. Right. Well, that goes back to even when you talked about when you were writing for people, right? As soon as you were more open, you know, spilling both sides of your story, the light and the dark, that resistance falls away. And I think that's because we're so lucky to have such a supportive group of female friends. And then Hilaria and I as well with one another. But those relationships don't get forged without true transparency. You never really go deeper or get to know someone if you don't show the darker side. So back to the respect project, do you think like, what's one of the most powerful conversations you've had on there? Um, You know, I think about like, uh, I did a very, uh, you know, powerful woman talk with my friend, Lisa Henson, whose dad was Jim Henson. And, you know, and she's just like this powerhouse and our friend Robbie Brenner was on it and so on. Sorry. 
and um like the doberman is like in and out and in and out sorry um and what was really refreshing is you know you're asking these powerful women to talk about like well you know what's your mantra like what's the thing you know how do you do it how do you wake up every day how are you gentle with yourself how you know how are you strong how do you how do you how are you a good leader you're asking all these questions to these incredibly powerful women um you know one of them runs like a horse sanctuary and again it was like lisa and robbie and just really incredible panel of successful bright you know, beautiful and just awesome dynamic women. And they all just answered it honestly. Like, I'm sorry, I don't know what you mean. I'm still suffering and trying to be a good leader. I don't know. I'm not feeling really that great. Or I'm still suffering over my parents' death or what have you. And suddenly you're realizing, you know, God, we're all just trying to get through. You know, we're all just trying to get by. It's not, I'm not a negative person, I guess. Maybe I'm not as positive as I think I am. What I really am is a realist. And I think that, you know, it, it takes a pound of flesh to get through this life. And, you know, we need to be there for each other and build community around that as opposed to tearing each other down because everybody knows it's hard to be a human being. It's also beautiful. And I'd like, we all want to skip through the meadow and like enjoy it. But you know, it's, it's, it's life is lifey. And as David O. Russell liked to say, life is lifey and it's, it's challenging. And I think, you know, stopping, there's no mystery about it, right? It's just, it's, it's a very gritty, it's almost blue collar, this life thing, you know, so talking about it from that perspective, I think helps one another. So in other words, there's nothing wrong with you if you don't feel so great or you don't feel clear or supported or whatever, you know, welcome to the club. We're all feeling it. How can we change that? And that's what the Respect Project was has always been about for me. How how can we change the narrative and just make it easier for each other? Absolutely. And that's, I mean, I, I've listened to a lot of your talks and that's hopefully what we're going to be accomplishing here too. But I think that's a great point to make because no matter how successful we are perceived as in any career, like we all suffer from the Robbies to the people that are just starting out in the business, like debilitating imposter syndrome every day, right? And really like overcoming that to be able to have these conversations because we all feel it constantly. And like, I feel every time I sign on to do this, like, okay, got that. And I think think it really is, showing the light and the dark because I find we have to get to a point where we can hold our girlfriends when they're going through something difficult and be a safe space for it. And don't be that, oh, don't complain. And also if they're experiencing great joy, be happy for them. But it is a really fair point at the same time to acknowledge that sometimes it's really hard for us to see something when when it's what we want. Um, I was, you know, not in that headspace at this point. I've definitely, you know, had that of, you know, envy, jealousy, you know, feeling that I'm, I'm not enough and people are more, I mean, I I definitely in, in that situation, it wasn't, but I think that is what she said was a very, very, very common feeling. Mm -hmm. And also takes us back to like, you know, other women and the dynamic of they're not being enough for everyone. Like someone else having that experience taking away from the ability to you you to have it or to feel comfortable with not being in the same life phase or that moment. And, um, you know, I think we can see the same patterns applied to every, every part of social interaction because we're raised to think that if someone else has it, 
we can't. And so we just have to lead by the example of women that that share and just ignore the noise. Well, it's such it's such an important lesson to learn in life, you know, to not covet what other people you guys are like a coven, right? Like, let's not covet what other people have and and realize that there's enough out there for everybody. So just, you know, stay in your lane, right? Like just, you know, and I think that that creates more mental health and well-being with your who with yourself and your, you know, immediate family. And also sort of just leave everybody else alone. They're not your concern, right? So like I do a lot, I think a lot of ignoring over all the years of all the stuff, you know what I mean? Like you choose, choose carefully, choose wisely. You're not going to always make the right decision, but you know, you try to. And like stay in your lane. Like, you know, I try to stay in my lane and just not concern myself with all the other stuff that's out there. Oh, she's fat. Oh, is she, did she quit acting? Oh, this, oh, that, or whatever. Oh, that's not good parenting. Oh, did, you know, all the opinions. And just try to just keep, you know, sort of doing the next right thing. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. 
I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. When you see the positive, the positive in people rather than focusing on the negative, and I must sound so like woo-woo annoying, but I I find whenever I'm going through something difficult, if I give and I put myself to something that feels meaningful, um, and they could be giving to yourself, by the way, you can give to other people, you can give to yourself, you can, it's just that, that action of doing something positive, it heals m- my mind. Um, and therefore heals my body because the body has a reaction to all of our thoughts. And I, you know, I I find that the more, and I've done it, but this, this podcast has made me do it so much more. And us talking about creating this podcast, it's been over a year now where when I meet somebody, when I would, you know, even like a snarky thought, I, I check myself, which doesn't mean that they don't happen. Okay. Like I'm not perfect. Okay. We're all human, but I try to switch it to be yeah. positive and check that that's in myself. What, that's, that's what I mean about, you know, not coveting other people's stuff because mm-hmm. what you're actually putting out into the universe, the vibration is, is that there isn't enough for you because you're too busy coveting everybody else. Don't worry about everybody else. Why? Because there's not, there's a chemical reaction to that. Like what you're saying, which is if I, if I show kindness and love and I'm giving to others, I'm going to attract more of that back. Well, the same thing goes with, if I don't worry about, okay, they have this, they have that. And I just focus on my lane and like what I'm doing, what I'm putting out there. Suddenly you begin to see all this good and, you know, fortune, you know, in all the myriad ways coming towards you because you're just focused on what you're doing and putting out there. Right. You know, like energetically you're drawing things to yourself in a positive way, as opposed to comparing yourself to others and having like, you know, this, this syndrome of like wanting, wanting what everybody else has. Yeah. Yeah. That's so like takes it back to, I mean, obviously what you think about is your reality. So just really reframing every thought and we are training ourselves better with our thoughts of negativity to other people, but you know, just in general, our self-talk, every little negative thing that pops up and being able to squash it. But, um, all of that said, you brought up the coven and we are a coven and Liz and I, and we're all in this great little friend coven that I am so grateful for and having you on. But we do this, this piece every week on the show called coveting in the coven. And this is okay. Coveting. Okay. Coveting the coven. (laughs) You have or like, (laughs) we just want to share the light with somebody else. And, um, so we, you know, we present something that we're not super connected to and um, just talk about what's making us happy. So, well, I'm coveting um, my stepmother and sister went to Marival and they went to a spa and like they spot out and like I'm coveting um, doing that. Like Robbie and I talk about it all the time. We're like, we need to go to the Four Seasons. I want to go for a week and I want to like be pampered every single day, multiple times, like the Golden Door and be fed well and be exercised and, you know, all this stuff. And I feel like that goes hand in hand with some of the mother stuff, woman stuff, because 
I'm older than you guys and I've gone through menopause already. And it's like, then you've got all this, you know, the weight stuff is like legit. And so I, and also I've been working a lot um, this year directing. And so I'm like ready. I'm coveting other people having these great spa experiences. <laughs> coveting self-care, right? Yeah, yes. exactly. Love exactly. It. Michelle, what's yours? I mean, mine is always skincare because I'm addicted. So this week I have Olivia Palermo's you can't see it because this is audio, but it's really pretty. <laughs> and it's like this spray that you put on before like going out and it just like makes your skin look really like matte and professional. And I, I did it today, even though I have 700 ring lights on, it's not like it would make a huge difference, but it's a really cool product and the packaging is stunning. I love that. All right. What I'm coveting is um, everybody knows I wear these shiny pants and my shiny pants are carbon 38. I'm, I am that person who has like 20 yoga pants and um, and they're carbon 38, the Takara leggings, the high rise, because I've had a hundred children. So the high rise um, in, I don't, I forget what, it's, I think it's called Takara shine, but I'm obsessed with them. People always, people literally stop me on the street and are like, what are those leggings that you're constantly wearing? And so then these are them. People ask me because I wear them over my heels. And if that's like a different version, it's just because I'm short. So they like reach over the heels, but it makes me feel cozy. <laughs> They're very cute and shiny. They're very cute and shiny. <laughs> well, Liz, I'm so happy that I spied you filming in my old apartment um, when you're directing Law & Order because that caused us to reconnect directly instead of at a you know, holiday party or a birthday party. And it's been such a pleasure having you on there. And I can't wait to see what you're doing next and to potentially be working together and all of the things. And yeah. congratulations on the yes. last thank, thank you guys. Thank you so much for supporting MLA. And actually, if you want to know anything more about it, you can go to the website. Um, but Hilaria, if you want to talk more about MLA, because your wheelhouse you know we can sort of sidebar about that but thank you guys this was really fun thank you liz thank you, you so too. much bye well i'm so i feel so fortunate that we got liz on not only to have a friend but someone who's so brilliant and always really acting to serve others i think it's like you know like that is my goal in life is that like everything you do like connects to a bigger picture of really trying to support women and liz is a beautiful example of that and just being a great compassionate human being and like her work with the special olympics her extreme talent like being one of the few female directors on law and order like there's so many things that she does that are so deeply impressive so and now helping helping everyone with breastfeeding so she's that she's the epitome of of what we all strive to be here on which is anonymous um no and and you know these are the conversations everybody that i really love to have of ones that we're all like, yeah, what would do this? And we get involved, you know? We we really want our community to be super involved and um, and talk about all these things that we're, we're thinking and we are not necessarily saying or we're not saying enough. So thank you all so much for joining us this week. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, share your with your friends. We love to uh, grow our coven and um, follow us on Instagram. And we'll see you next time, witches. Thank you, witches. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. 
This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Pitbull. I think that education is the real revolution because as much as we speak about all the problems that there is in society and in the world today, my mother's always told me, son, don't worry. The world's always been coming to an end. Don't let it scare you out of living. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 